1.5 meter distance. We've done way more than that for this episode, and we've tried to cheer ourselves up by looking at 10 of our favorite things that have happened in Austrian football since we started the podcast. Hello there, dear Austrian football fans. We may all be in quarantine or lockdown at home, but that can't stop us. The other Bundesliga team are back. We're here recording remotely online, so uh, we can't see each other. We can't meet up in our usual home of the long haul. That would be lovely. It would be great to have a pint with you guys, but instead we have to do it via the magic of the internet. Simon Clark, how are you doing in, the, in your lockdown phase? Yeah, I'm okay. I mean, the most exciting thing that's happened to me the last couple of days is seeing the amount of toilet roll in my local supermarket. Just uh, amazing stuff <laughs> after after all the, all the panic. <laughs> when toilet roll's exciting, you know it's not great. I know. <laughs> this, I'm I'm lost without football. You know, I don't know what to do, what to do in my spare time or anything. Yeah, uh, we're struggling. Yeah, we're struggling, but it's good to be chatting with you guys now. Yeah, Lee, how about you? How are you coping with the uh, the lack of football? I mean, usually working from home anyway is is kind of uh, it's not been too bad spending so much time at home. But yeah, the lack of football is is really really hurting. Although I was able to share in Simon's good news earlier, uh, I also popped down to the supermarket in question to get myself ten rolls of toilet paper. So that was a uh, a little win for the day. Toilet roll success. I've been rationing. I, I'm going for the one square only yeah. approach. <laughs> oh my God. Thomas. <laughs> Stretch it out. Stretch <laughs> it out as long as I can. Anyway, moving on to, to more football related matters. Why don't we start with, with the Bundesliga here in Austria at the moment? I'll go with you, Lee. What what do you think? Like, What's the current predicament about Austrian football? Where do we stand as of today? And you know, how long is it going to be until Austrian football's back? In your in your humble opinion, well, um, obviously the Bundesliga said last week that they are postponing the season until mid-May and extending its end until the end of June. So, if all things go according to plan, then I guess we could be seeing the league finishing, um, you know, this summer. But obviously, uh, I think it does take an optimistic person to think it's going to resume anytime soon. I think one thing that, that does perhaps set Austria apart from lots of other European leagues is that the regular season has just finished. Everyone's played each other exactly twice. It's all very symmetrical. So perhaps if the Austrian league wasn't ultimately able to, to finish in, in late May and early June, then uh, then perhaps it, it, you know, it, it would be a better place to stop compared to, to say, you know, like France, England, Spain, where, you know, there are still very much fixtures outstanding. Um, but yeah, I, I think it could could be some time before it before it resumes. Simon, I know it's all guesswork at this stage, but what do you think? There's no Euros now that's been moved to Euro 2021 or, or whatever they're going to call it, which apparently they're not sure about yet. Um, do you see that? Do you see like a May to June season actually getting the Austrian league finished? Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, the fact is that there's only t- ten games remaining of the season, so it could it could fit in those two months with UEFA moving the Euros, which is, I mean, it's terrible news for the three of us because we all had tickets for the Euros, but that has to be postponed for a year. But the great news is that I think the Austrian season could finish if it begins in six weeks or so, as it's been uh, forecast, forecasted potentially. Um, 
yeah, there, there's definitely room there. I mean, to play, uh, you have you have seven weekends, I believe, uh, seven or eight weekends, and then uh, a, a couple of, a couple um, games on a Tuesday and a Wednesday as well. And yeah, you could definitely see the season being completed. But obviously, right now, with uh, we we don't really know what's going to happen. Um, in Austria, they've been very, very, very strict with the, um, the implementation of the of the laws and the lockdown. And I mean, that's the reason why we're recording via via the internet. But um, yeah, I, I think um, if the forecast is correct, then if football restarts in six weeks, the, the Austrian season can definitely be completed fully. Gut feeling, though, Lee. I'll go to you. Gut feeling at the moment. Do you see? games taking place behind closed doors here in Austria or do you reckon they'll wait until they can actually get the season finished with fans back in the grounds? I think ultimately it depends on what's possible obviously in an ideal scenario they'd, they'd do it with with fans and I know that the, the Austrian Bundesliga have been pretty vocal in saying that they have no intention of playing games behind closed doors but if time begins to sort of seep away and you know there really isn't that much time to get the season finished and they're determined to play out the championship and relegation rounds and they may have to. They may ultimately have no choice. Um, what about you, Simon? Like, What about the question of potential promotion and relegation? Let's take a, a, a dim view on it. Let's say that there's no way of getting the leagues finished because you know any scenario is open at the moment. We're in such a place that, of course, there are far more important problems to worry about. But we're here to talk about football. You know, if they can't finish the season off, what do they do about league champions? What do they do about promotion and relegation, which is perhaps an even more complex issue? Yeah, I'm not sure I can answer that fully, really. But I mean, um, I think with the with the Bundesliga, the fact that it has been symmetrical, like it, the the regular season is finished the way it is, and Lask won the league by six points um it makes it makes it for the bundesliga much easier to, to, to do that but with the second division and the third divisions and stuff it's not so easy um it would be very harsh uh in the second division there are two teams who are by far uh way ahead of everybody and that's reed and, and austria klagenfurt it would be very harsh on on austria klagenfurt who are second place who i believe are currently only three points behind reed to say that okay you guys you aren't getting promoted even though there's so many amount of games left of the season just because of this you know but i think in the bundesliga it would make sense but i think it would be very very harsh to do it in in the leagues below the bundesliga level yeah my thoughts on that a little bit i mean austria klagenfurt actually fell away a bit so now there's a big gap between reed klagenfurt and innsbruck in third i wondered if you could just promote the top two teams and then have a 14-team Bundesliga for next season. So important, don't go down because it's a bit harsh to relegate anyone given that the season didn't really finish. I know it's a bit controversial, but can you imagine that 14-team Bundesliga next season? Yeah, I mean, it, it would solve it would solve the problem, wouldn't it, I think? Um, but then the question would be, what happens in, in the second division? Who gets promoted from the third division? Because obviously in Austria, it's all about who, who applies for, for, for the licenses, and it's not really a true promotion per se um yeah I don't, I don't know that's true but like basically no clubs have got those licenses anyway basically yeah. everybody who is at the top of their their respective second division has said that they can't go up because they're not applying for the license sorry at the top of their regional division so basically my my take would be no relegation from the second division no promotion from the third leagues and then like you have a 14 team Bundesliga. and i know it'd be a bit crazy but it could also be quite cool 
Yeah, it would be. Yeah, I think it solves the problem. I think it makes sense, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. That is that. Yeah. That's that one. Sorted. <laughs> well, let's hope we can come to that. We're here to talk about more more fun that today because we have a top ten compilation here of uh, of some of our best moments individually. There's me, Tom. There's Simon. There's Lee. We've put together our best moments from since the very inception of the other Bundesliga podcast. And uh, we're going to just count down like 10 things that have meant a lot to us. And then we'll look back on some of the good days of year football since we started. So, Lee, why don't we, we start off with you? Let's get the list kicked off. I mean, it's not a specific 10 to 1. You know, it's it's going to be just 10 things that, that mean a lot to us. But what about you, Lee? What's the moment that, that stands out in the memory for you since we started the other Bundesliga podcast? Well, one of the ones that I think was a sign that um, things were, were really going well was when we managed to, to interview the, the British ambassador, Lee Turner, in December 2018, so, so just before Christmas. And I, obviously, it was a big shame because I think Simon was down in Corinthia that day, so, so he wasn't able to join us. Yeah, but me and you, Tom, we, we headed down to the, to the British embassy. I think it came about, actually, because... Uh, Rangers had played Rapid Vienna in the Europa League and we'd seen a photo of the ambassador in a in one of those big sort of you know Russian hats to keep your ears warm um, at the at the Allianz Stadion watching the game and I think we just decided to see if we could drop him a line and see if he'd be up for talking to us but then uh, yeah we went down to the embassy and it was just a really nice occasion he was very open had uh, lots to share with us about about his best footballing memories and, and what it's like being a diplomat at the games. And um, yeah, at the end, we, we gave him a little test on his, his already excellent uh, Austrian football terminology. So all in all, it was, a, it was a really nice experience, that. Yeah, that was a really good one, wasn't it? A good moments. So we got some great pictures by the Christmas tree with uh, Ambassador Lee Turner. They're cool memories. What about, uh, what about you, Sai? What's your first one? Well, my first one would be um, back in November when Austria qualified for Euro 2020, which is now going to be Euro 2021, uh, with a 2-1 victory over North Macedonia at the Ernst Happel Stadion. Um, since we started the podcast, we haven't really covered the, the national team really within the, the stadium atmosphere because they'd played in Salzburg and they played in other areas, in Klagenfurt as well. And this was the first time we got accreditation to see Austria play in the Ernst Tapos Stadion. And it was a it was a very decent crowd. I think there's over 40,000 there. And uh, uh, the David Alaba opened the scoring and then Stefan Leiner made it 2-0. Uh, Macedonia got a late, a late goal in injury time, but it didn't matter. It was just a great, great occasion. Amazing atmosphere. Like, yeah. Uh, even though the two of uh, the two of us, because Tom joined me for that game, we're from England, we couldn't help but be swept away under the feeling of 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 living in Austria and being in Austria and everyone waving the Austrian flags and all the songs and it was just a great party atmosphere and for me it was uh, a, a match that I look back on very 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 fondly. Yeah, I think it was a very low-key qualification campaign this time. And I've got some great memories from back in the Euro 2016 qualifying, qualifying campaign. There were some really rousing games during that one. You know, Austria was sort of swept up on this wave of, of qualifying for their first tournament in a long time. And uh, it wasn't like that for Euro 2020 qualifiers at all. It was much more low-key, not so much interest in Franco Foda's Austria. I think people are not particularly excited about that side. 
But that North Macedonia game was a bit different, you know, at the end of the day, being in the stadium as the country you live in qualifies for a major tournament. It was uh, definitely a very, very good memory. And the debut of that, uh, of that sort of controversial black and turquoise kit as well, which, uh, which I love. So, <laughs> yeah, that was all good. Controversial opinion, Tom. Uh, and also, I mean, it's probably best not to talk about what happened a few days later uh, with Austria losing to uh, Atvia and, and then us watching in the pub and then being very drunk and recording an episode of the other Bundesliga, which you can, you can find in the in the, our catalogue if you want to. <laughs> yeah, that was a very popular episode, actually. So I feel like maybe we should, uh, we should have a few more beers for our next recording because uh, that one went down as well. I just remember listening back and I was like, oh my God, we're both so drunk. I hope people don't realise. <laughs> well, but yeah, it was funny. People seem to like it anyway. It brightened up what was a very dull game between, you know, Austria losing 1-0 to Latvia. Anyway, I think my first my first thing for the for this top 10 list would go back as well to, to something that you mentioned, Lee, um, back to that Europa League campaign for Rapid Vienna a couple of seasons back. And um, for me, that culminated in this game against Inter Milan. You know, Inter Milan's actually also just coincidentally uh, a club that I work for, and just having Inter coming to to Rapid was like that was massive. I think that was the first kind of big European game that took place here since we started Pod. And all of a sudden, you know, when a club like Inter comes to town, there's so much interest in the football here. And uh, that was the first time that we got accreditation as the other Bundesliga so it was a bit of a step up for us like back in our early days that was the first time that we got other Bundesliga accreditation to be in the stadium for like the biggest game that was taking place in Austria at that time so that was a, a really good memory for me and of course we've all experienced the Allianz Stadion now full for, for really big domestic games and there's been there've been some absolute crackers there it's, it's one of the stadiums with the very best atmosphere in Austrian football full stop but to see it on a European night against Inter, this is like, this is what Rapid live for. This is what the fans there in Hütteldorf live for. That was, that's how it's supposed to be. The Allianz Stadion was built for such occasions. And uh, I, for one, would love to see them back in Europe next year and uh, see if some more occasions like that can happen in Hütteldorf. I'd be well up for that. Uh, Lee, I'll take it back over to you. I think it looks quite likely that they will be in Europe next season. So that's uh, something to potentially look forward to. Perhaps we'll have some some European nights, so we don't have to get a train for a few hours all the time, which would which would also be a welcome a welcome uh, gift, I think. Yeah, local European football to us here in Vienna. How how good would that be? It would be wonderful, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, Lee, what about your next thing on the list? Well, we've had a lot to do with with Lask as a club over the past couple of years obviously we've we've really enjoyed watching their sort of meteoric rise and um, they've done so well this season whether it's been in Europe or domestically to, to rival Salzburg we've been there every step of the way on their their Europa League campaign all the way from you know the well in fact the Champions League qualifiers all the way through the groups and and then to some of the knockout games more recently but <laughs> I think one of my favorite things here has been us finally getting Lask back onto Twitter after after five years because I think as we've as we've all established since we've started doing this pod, Austrian football clubs do not have a particularly strong presence on social media. They tend to sort of I don't know disappear, go into exile for three or four months or even years at a time, and you don't really hear anything. So I think we started a little bit of a, a Twitter campaign hashtag Bring Lask back to Twitter. 
and you know it works finally they're they're back they're they're regularly tweeting about their domestic games and their and their european ones as well so i'd like to <laughs> i'd like to think we played a we played a role in in, in bringing them back i've actually got a funny story about that as well because i was on holiday in valencia and uh, I was, and we we made a rule like not to look in our phones, just to enjoy the music because there was some live music being played. Then I look at my phone, and it, and I think it was Tom wrote, "Oh my God, Lask have tweeted." I was like, "No!" And then our Twitter like exploded for about three or four hours. And my friend was was like, "Simon, can you stop checking your phone?" And I was like, "Sorry, this is absolutely ridiculous." <laughs> yeah, it was just a great great occasion. I was I was very very happy to see that. <laughs> Yeah, that was a very cool social media moment when our campaign, you know, Get Lask to Tweet, really came up. And I, I, I like to think that increased uh, our standing with Lask as well, because I think they must have been mightily confused when they started tweeting again. And suddenly everybody was just talking about us and them, just like, oh, other Bundesliga, you've got to see this, you got to see this. So uh, that was quite <laughs> surreal and very funny. And I wonder what Lask thought of that when, when they started on Twitter again. Their, their poor social media team must have been like, who is this other Bundesliga? What is going on? <laughs> anyway, that was definitely an awesome moment. Also, there's the fact that during the time we were trying to get them back on Twitter, one of our followers did actually set up an unofficial Lask English account and has been been regularly tweeting for about a year now. So I think we we, we really motivated a lot of people to, to get Lask some kind of online presence. Yeah, we definitely can take some responsibility for that if, if we do say so ourselves. Um, Simon, if we if we go up to to like a, a fifth thing on the list, if we're getting to roughly the halfway mark, what have you got to take us there? Well, I mean, to go from Twitter to, to the Champions League, uh, it was our first ever Champions League group game as a pod with uh, accreditation, and it was Red Bull Salzburg playing against Racing Club Genk, Racing Club Genk in the Champions League, and I mean, uh, I just one of the greatest occasions I've been a part of since starting the pod. Um, as as you know, Salzburg won 6-2. It was the European emergence of, of Erling Braut Haaland, who we, we'd been talking about for weeks and weeks prior to that. And for Salzburg to come out in their first ever Champions League group game and be 5-1 up at halftime, Haaland scoring a first-half hat-trick. Uh, you, you had Huang scoring, you had Sobislai scoring, and it really set our Twitter alight. I remember sitting there at halftime with adrenaline pumping through my veins. like It was just unbelievable. But um, it was actually the pre-match, uh, which I really, really enjoyed because I got to Salzburg quite early. I, I, I was on my own, unfortunately. Um, but uh, I was able to speak to some, some away fans and some of the home fans going to the stadium on the train. And people were so, so excited that Salzburg had finally arrived at, at the Champions League table. Um, but I don't think anyone could have expected what, would happen over the over the course of the match and um yeah it was just an incredible occasion incredible atmosphere our twitter exploded uh i remember sitting there in the stadium post match which uh, has become some sort of a, a tradition for us to sit there with, with a, a bottle of heineken which is given for free at these champions league games and just um sit there and think wow what what an occasion that was, and yeah, for me, it, it might have been one of my favourite, uh, my favourite match to cover uh, as part of the other Bundesliga so far, and just yeah, people 
were couldn't believe what had happened and yeah just great great stuff that was an, an awesome night for Salzburg an awesome night for Austrian football you know on that on that big stage that was really good to hear your perspective on it Sai from you know being there in the stadium Lee I'm actually interested like what was your take on that on that same game because you know that was a huge emergence of Austrian football for a lot of people that's probably the first time they thought about Austrian football for years yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, I have to admit, I was slightly envious that I wasn't wasn't there with Sai because it's been a long, long road for for Salzburg. You've written a a very good blog article about Salzburg's long, long road to to the Champions League, which is uh, available on our website, uh, otherbundesliga.com. But it was it was it's been a I don't know how many years it was in the making, but they've been trying to to get into the competition ever since they were, were taken over by Red Bull in, in 2005. And there's just been a, a long list of failures. So to finally get there and to, to open their maiden campaign in such style was, was quite something. I know in the, uh, in the immediate aftermath of that game, we were being sort of bombarded with, with requests from, from European media, basically saying, how good is this Haaland guy? And I think even, even we were taken, uh, taken by surprise a little bit. Because he'd made a bit of a slow start to the to the season in some games. I know you guys saw him in the on the opening match day against Rapid Vienna, and I don't think he'd managed to score then. And he'd, he'd sort of made a, a bit of a name for himself, but I don't think anyone quite expected him to to explode onto the scene in the way he did, and to to yeah to become the first player since Wayne Rooney in two thousand and four to score a hat trick on his on his Champions League debut. So it was really you know it was Salzburg stealing stealing the headlines on match day one all over Europe. Just a, a little caveat that there was the absolute amazingness of that game, and then after the game, I had to try and wait in the stadium as long as possible because I had a train at three twenty in the morning. <laughs> so you had this absolute glamour of the Champions League, and then you had the two or three hours post game where I was walking around Salzburg trying to find a place open that sold food, <laughs> trying to get to the train station, and then oh, it was just. Uh, but I was very, very happy. Like the, the, the things you, you you do for the love of football, that was definitely one of them. Um, and then on the train, I was in, a, in a, a little cabin with two other guys, and they they had both been to the match as well, and we were speaking about the the podcast and, and hopefully they are still listening to the podcast now so fingers crossed <laughs> yeah nice to hear some of the sort of behind the scenes angles as well of what it's like to to go down to Salzburg or Linz or wherever to cover these games because uh, it's it's a lot of fun isn't it but there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on behind the scenes you know we travel around a lot and you've got to plan plan that travel accordingly and hope that you can get things on time and yeah you meet a lot of people when you're doing it so it's, it's a pretty cool way to experience Austria yeah, it, it was great, but um, the the worst thing was I arrived in Vienna at I think six fifteen a.m. in the morning, and I, I had to be in the office by half eight, so it wasn't great, <laughs> but it was worth it. Definitely worth it. From one game that was definitely capturing uh, the attention of European football fans and bringing a bit of that to Austria, um, to probably another one, just sort of coincidentally, the one that I'm going to bring up now is probably the next time that really happened where the eyes of European football fans were suddenly shifted to Austria. But it wasn't for Salzburg, it was for Lask. And this was a, a bit of a surreal one for me. It was my job on that day to cover the Europa League draw for social media. Um, I nearly got given the task of, of actually covering that at Lask with the club for UEFA, which would have been crazy. But I couldn't do it because I was on stage that evening. So I'm covering the, the draw instead on social media. And then... It's not just the fact that Lask ended up drawing 
Man United, you know, one of the biggest clubs in world football, full stop. It's the way it happened as well. You know, they were the last out of the draw. And at some point it dawned on me that it's like, well, if last don't come out now, and if Man United don't come out now, then this is, you know, it was like one of those by default draws. It was like the best way possibly that that draw could have been made. But you just had this realisation that all the other teams are out of the hat and Lask are still in it and Man United are still in it. And then that was compounded, of course, like when that when that happened, nobody's heard of Lask. People in England like to think that they know a lot about football. But aside from what I would like to think of as a, a hearty band of other Bundesliga listeners, no one in North America, no one in the UK, hardly anybody in the rest of Europe, they don't know anything about Lask. They don't know Lask are. And Lask obviously isn't a place, you know, it doesn't have a place name in its title when you see it in the draw. So a lot of people didn't even know which country that club were from. And then just to see the, the sort of explosion, the social media explosion of, of these Man United fans who, you know, of course, there's Man United fans of all ages, uh, everyone around the world knows Man United. And to see how, how some of that reaction was to this club, this club that nobody's ever heard of, that was really something. And, and you know, that's another thing. We've, we've done a lot of great media appearances in the last few years. But then suddenly we were in newspapers. We ended up like with a TV appearance on one of British football's biggest TV shows. It was absolutely brilliant. And, you know, you've got some of the biggest TV presenters in the UK. You know, in fact, like England's what, England's record joint top goal scorer tweeting uh, who had a last, which is slightly taken out of context when, uh, when that's quoted over here, because I think he was actually trying to tell a really corny joke, which was like, I'll ask somebody instead of I'll ask somebody. So that's actually what he was saying, I think. But um, yeah, because that was Gary Lineker, right, who, who tweeted that, as, as everybody knows now. But Gary Lineker has actually played against Lask in his career. So uh, I would have liked to, to have thought that he actually did know who Lask were. But um, anyway, yeah, that was, that was just a, a really crazy occasion seeing that. And unfortunately, I saw a lot of Man United fans being very disrespectful of, of, of the team, you know, from this league that they've never heard about. And uh, I really wanted Lask to put up a good showing. In the end, that game was, that was a story unto itself with the, the, the very start of where we are now, you know, coronavirus. That was basically the last game to take place in Austria before everything got shut down. And um, to be honest, I'm actually quite, I'm quite annoyed at UEFA now that that was allowed to go ahead because it was pretty obvious when that game, by the, by the time that game kicked off, it was pretty obvious that European football was not going to continue as of, you know, either the next hour or certainly the next day. European football was bound to have been cancelled by then. And yeah, it's a shame for, for every club when a game has to take place behind closed doors. But this was different. You know, not only was last biggest game ever completely ruined by being played behind closed doors, it, it completely, you know, psychologically affected the sides. It, it changed the, the atmosphere of the occasion totally. And I would love to think at the end of this, you know, when when football did resume from from the coronavirus sort of scenario we've got now, it would be great if Lask still had that to look forward to, you know, a, a sort of competitive tie against Manchester United. That that would be a really great way, very difficult way to come back, but a great thing to look forward to upon the resumption of football. And unfortunately, they've got a dead rubber, and a dead rubber in at Old Trafford seems like. So it's difficult enough to imagine fans in a football stadium enjoying the game anywhere at the moment, given the seriousness of this situation. But to fly all the way to, to the UK and play a game at Old Trafford now, which is essentially completely dead, that seems even more stupid than ever. So it's an unfortunate occasion in the end, isn't it? Lee, um, while we're on that, why don't you yeah, why don't you add your thoughts? I know you obviously ended up going to the game and you watched Lask, but what, what were your thoughts on the occasion? 
Well, first of all, I owe you to a, a big thanks because you you let me take the accreditation for for our podcast team as a as a big man you fan, and um, yeah, so that it it was it was in a, in a way it was a good occasion for me to 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 see Man United play for the first time. But like you say, Tom, it it really didn't make sense to allow that that game to go ahead. To be honest, I felt mightily sorry for Lask. I felt that they were robbed of. You know, they're one of the biggest occasions that they'll ever have. Man United will have ties like that all the time. Lask won't. And to, to be robbed of the income, the support and the chance to really cause an upset, I thought it made no sense whatsoever. Especially when you consider that some of the other Europa League ties were being postponed elsewhere. You had um, the Sevilla one um, being postponed, the Getafe one as well. And so I, I think it would have just made sense if you wait for a you know, for once not been thinking of, you know, the importance of money and, and, you know, we've got to get it played. And they just thought this is this is bigger than football and just called it off. And, you know, even if I'd been there at the stadium and they'd called it off, I would have still accepted it because it would have been the right decision. Yeah, all in all, a bit of a sad occasion for Lask in the end, but I will never forget that draw. It was quite something special to get Lask drawn against one of the biggest clubs in world football. Moving on, uh, back to you, Lee. What's your next thing for, for this top 10? Uh, another you know special moment has happened since the, the, the inception of the other Bundesliga. Well, I know I've talked a lot about Lask already on this episode, but they have been the team of the season. And for me, probably one of the best experiences I've had was actually on, on Valentine's Day when the Bundesliga resumed after, after the long, long 61-day winter break. And I went down to Salzburg because it was a top-of-the-table clash between Salzburg, who were top at that point, um, and Lask, their closest challengers. And, uh, you know, Lask went into that game as, as mighty, mighty underdogs, knowing that Salzburg had not lost a home Bundesliga game for, for over three years by that point. And the way that Lask performed, they rode their luck a little bit at the beginning, but it was a great performance, some excellent goals from, from Freezer in particular. And to, to come away with a 3-2 win that took them top of the table for the first time all season, it was a really, really sensational experience. Um, it, was a, it was an exciting game. It had everything. And uh, for the first time in a long time, I, f I came away from that game thinking, wow, we've got a genuine, a genuine title race in Austria right now. Yeah, and uh, oh, the end of a 61-day winter break, that seems like... Seems like nothing at the moment. I fear this break may be, may be longer than 61 days. Uh, let's hope not. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a very cool game. Salzburg 2, Lask 3. Really big moment for the title race. Uh, what, about, what about your next one, Simon? I know that takes us away from the league and, and veers towards a different competition. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this uh, is the cup final, the, 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 the OFB cup final from 2019. It was the first time we all had accreditation for a single game, and it was uh, a showpiece occasion in Klagenfurt between Rebel Salzburg and Rapid Vienna. Of course, Salzburg won the cup, um, winning by, by winning two 0 But um, for me, it was just the whole occasion. Um, it was just a brilliant couple days down in Corinthia. Um, for me, I'm very familiar with Corinthia because it's where my girlfriend's from and I was able to, to stay with her family on the evening before the game. Uh, I know that, that Lee stayed in a, in a hotel in Filak prior to the game and it was just a great atmosphere. Rapid Vienna brought something like 20,000 fans down to Klagenfurt. It was just 
really amazing. I remember getting dropped off at the Vertice Stadion with Lee and um, just seeing hordes and hordes of green uh, heading up to the Vertice Stadion, uh, which is an incredible location for a cup final. It's in the in the middle of, it's on the edge of Klagenfurt in between the Vertice and the city. And it's just this huge, like it's, it's like a UFO had landed uh I landed in, in the middle of Corinthia and <laughs> you just see streams and streams of fans heading to the stadium and yeah it was just it was a great occasion it was it was a, a, a warm a warm sunny day and yeah for me it was almost like the feeling like the podcast had finally arrived that we were now all been able to be accredited for a game and I mean the match itself wasn't particularly that much of an occasion but looking back for me it was just um a wonderful time uh, for the podcast, we were all there dressed in our suits, and you know it was it was really 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 great stuff. And f- and my favorite moment of of the entire experience was was after the match. Me and Lee we went to to a service station with the, the father of my girlfriend, and in that service station was the entire Red Bull Salzburg squad, and they were all getting like chocolates and sweets and stuff just for, for the journey back to Salzburg. And it was, it was cool seeing these players after winning a trophy, just being in a service station on the Vertice. And we were there just next to a Schlager. And uh, I can't remember who else was there. Um, as Zlatko Yanuzovic in this service station. It was, just, yeah, it, was, it was a great, great occasion. And I, I know that you guys also have some some recollections of, of that afternoon. Yeah, from, from the glitz and glamour of Austrian football <laughs> to uh, the other side of things in a service station too. Actually, I got a bit lost after I'd done my interviews and I was trying to find my way out of the Stadion, uh, the media area. And I got lost and ended up bumping into Alexander Valka, who's like the former Salzburg number one goalkeeper. Now uh, doesn't play so much, obviously he's been injured this season. But there was Alexander Valka holding the brand new OFB Cup trophy. And I've been uh, trying to badger the OFB all weekend online to be like, you better, you better give us a good like photo opportunity with this new trophy that you've got because they were trying to make a big song and dance about having this. You know, they've replaced the old trophy with this this newly designed one for for last season. And lo and behold, just as I'm on my out of the stadium, thinking, oh well, I didn't get to uh, get my hands on the trophy this weekend. There we go. There's Valka holding the trophy in his hands, and uh, yeah, we had a little chat, and I got a nice selfie with uh, with Valka and the new Earth B Cup, so that put a smile on my face as I was leaving the ground, and then, yeah, I managed to spend a couple of days by the by the lake as well down there, because it was summer, and it was lovely, it was just at the start of summer, and the weather was great. What, what was your memory from that game, Lee? Well, I really enjoyed just the whole experience of, of getting the train down there as well, with all the hordes of Rapid Vienna fans, um, I had some good conversations with, with some fans on the train. They ended up offering to, to share their beers with me, but as it was 10 a.m. at the time, I didn't really feel like uh, like joining them. But we had some good conversations. We talked about all kinds of things, their feelings towards Salzburg, which is always very interesting to, to hear from, from fans of other teams. And we talked about you know how close Rapid Vienna really were to getting their first cup in, I think, 24 years at that point. And their first trophy of the decade, which ultimately, you know, it didn't happen. But I think the whole thing surrounding the game was really nice as well. The chance to meet and engage with fans, tell them about the podcast and the coverage. And then, of course, to all be a a game together, which I don't think has happened all that many times since we started doing the pod. I think regularly we send one or perhaps two people to to the games here and there. But for all three of us to be there and, and for the cup final too, that was a particularly nice memory. 
yeah, a really lovely occasion for us at the other Bundesliga there. Uh, moving on, not too long left on this list now. I talked about some interviews after the game and sort of getting lost in the stadium, but I've got to know my way around a few of the other grounds, especially the Allianz Arena, the Allianz Stadion, sorry, at uh, Rapid Vienna, and uh, the Red Bull Arena for, for Salzburg. And that was one of the highlights for me this season, especially after the Champions League games. You know, I really love my job and I'm really lucky to be able to go down there afterwards and, and speak to some of these guys. But speaking to, you know, speaking to the Liverpool squads after after the game uh, between Salzburg and Liverpool, that was something special. You know, I, I've named this one the, specifically the Salzburg-Liverpool game, but but just overall, doing the post-match interviews is really, really cool. I had a great experience in the Cup as well, uh, speaking to Lukas Fiedel, the goalkeeper of Vaca Innsbruck, you know, just after he saved the penalty to put Innsbruck into the Cup semi-finals. But when you speak to Virgil van Dijk and uh, Andy Robertson, for me as a, as a Scottish football fan, just having a word with those guys after the game and sort of knowing that you watch them on TV all the time. Obviously, we're, we're pretty close with Austrian football, but when it comes to the likes of Liverpool and the Champions League and stuff, that's something still mostly reserved for the television. So when you actually get to watch those guys uh, live in the stadium and then go and speak to them afterwards, and then, you know, just, just having a, a casual chat with Virgil van Dijk, who ended up just being a really nice guy, you're just thinking, yeah, th- this is a great job, isn't it? This is, I, I really enjoy what we do. And it was very cool being able to speak to some Champions League winners. Sorry, Simon, the Everton fan, for however much that hurts you, but... <laughs> It it does hurt, but you know it, it's okay. I I understand as a professional it was a, a highlight, but you know I I just I'm I'm not listening. <laughs> I'm I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I'm very glad that for number ten we can go to uh, for, yeah, for the last one on, the, on this. Maybe number one, in fact, is one that we were all keen to put on this list, and that was an interview that we all got to share in, and that was when Salzburg invited us down to go and have a word on the eve of that very Champions League campaign with their new head coach, Jesse Marsh. That was something very, very cool for all of us, wasn't it? Why don't you start on this one, Lee? Yeah, just a, just a really nice occasion. I think it was it was very nice to see how welcoming and open the club were to the idea. I think, obviously, you know, there's not too much uh, English language or generally international coverage of Austrian football. I think they were very open to, to get us to go down there and chat to him. Especially, of course, because there's a huge interest from the U.S. in, in how Jesse Marsh is doing. He's one of the, the most high-profile U.S. soccer coaches, as they say. And they're always keeping a, a close eye on, on how he's doing. The actual interview itself was lovely as well. He talked a little bit about his thoughts on the, on the MLS, um, a little bit on his, you know, his plans for, for his time at, at Salzburg as well, what he thinks of the, the whole Red Bull system. So there was some really, really good insight and some, some good content for us. And then, of course, we put him through a very similar Austrian um, Austrian football terminology test that we we did with the the UK ambassador to Austria, Lee Turner. So we asked him a, a few expressions, and I think generally he he did very well on that test. And um, it was nice also to see that, that Jesse Marsh is really embracing the whole, you know, the whole doing everything in German thing. He's trying to speak to his players whenever he can in German, do the media stuff in German. And so I think that was a nice way for us to, to end the interview with him. Yeah, sorry, what were your thoughts on that day? It was just, it was a really nice occasion, wasn't it? I mean, to, to get the train down to Salzburg, I know we're all very, very excited on the train and just, um, and we sat in a coffee place, if I recall correctly, just um, saying, oh, what are we going to ask him? What are we going to ask him? And he was just a fantastic interview, like um, just such a friendly guy, such an, a, a nice person. He, he offered us, 
coffee when he met us for the first time. And, you know, um, I was really, really impressed by the whole Salzburg organization uh, when we got there. Everyone was so friendly. Everyone came over, introduced themselves, even though we we recognized them, of course. And, um, but yeah, the interview itself, he was just very open, very, very candid, very, very nice. And yeah, I just remember us leaving, leaving the training ground and just being, wow, that couldn't, that couldn't have gone any better, could it? And I think the fact that our podcast was charted in, like, I don't know, 20 countries or whatever, and just showed that the audience also felt that it was a great interview. And yeah, it was really, it was a great, I don't know, a, a recommendation for us that we were doing a, a good thing, you know? And yeah, I just, I, it was just a great, great interview. And I hope we, we can do more of those interviews going forward. Yeah, I'm sure we will be able to do that. I think for me, it was it was great on so many levels. It was really nice to see how welcoming and how friendly both Jesse Marsh is and the club Salzburg as a whole. You know, they were really, really nice. And it was lovely to see Salzburg sort of behind the scenes there, see what was going on at the training ground and just see sort of how the club operates on a day to day level. You know, they're, of course, domestically really dominant here. And it was nice to just sort of get a, a bit of a look into the ethos and, and the way they operate behind the scenes. Um, it was also the first one for me. I mean, I think we can clearly say that that's the most popular episode. You know, we had so many thousands of listeners on that one, which is really, really nice. But it was the first time for us that I saw our work then, you know, the things that we'd asked and the quotes that we got being quoted in news outlets all over the world, kind of without us knowing about it, which both felt weird and also felt very much like, okay, so people are listening to this. They are seeing what we're doing. And, uh, you know, if, if news outlets across the world are, are copying our stuff without without telling us then it was sort of a sign for me that we were we we're going in the right direction so that was a yeah very very nice moment i think unless anybody's got anything to add we could uh, we could wrap it up for this one it's been really nice to have a chat to go through some positives in these uh, difficult times to look back on some good moments for us anyone very quickly want to add anything that that nearly made the list but didn't quite get in just a sentence or two each yeah yeah, I've got a couple interesting ones. I mean, it's from our adventures, like ground hopping, really. Um, we went to a Venus Sport Club game in Jobendorf, um, uh, Tom and I, which was just a great, great time. And it was it was around a similar time of year. It was, it was last year. And um, just this beautiful football ground with a castle next to it, a view over, like, a lovely view as well. And that was a really, really nice occasion. For, for me, in terms of ground hopping, because I, I like to ground hop, that was very cool. And also when we, we got locked inside a, um, Gratz's ground with, with, with the Gratz police, that was very, very funny as well. <laughs> yeah. Surreal. Um, I would have to say probably the Europa League group game between Lask and PSV Eindhoven. Um, I've been to all of their, their Europa League games this season, but that one was really something special. Lask went 1-0 down, came back and, and won 4-1 in the end. A couple of late-headed goals from Jao Klaus and overall just a really, really dominant performance. And I think it was probably at that point that the other teams in the competition probably began to take notice of Lask because you know clubs like Sporting CP and and PSV Eindhoven are, are, are very famous clubs that, that have won trophies, that have, have been successful, that have much more in terms of financial resources available. And so for Lask to, uh, to go and beat both of them, sporting CP 3-0 at home, and then in this case, PSV 4-1, it was, it was really, um, yeah, really, really good stuff. 
Yeah, very cool. I've got two things that didn't quite make the cut, um, and that is keeping it with the Europa League. When Gladbach lost 4-0 at home to Wolfsburg at the start of that campaign, that was absolutely amazing. It turned out to be a flash in the pan, but that was very, very cool. And all the banter that we had between Austrian and German football at that time was absolutely brilliant. And a more general one in the Austrian Bundesliga, going to Admira, going to home games of Admira, when the sun is shining and the wine is flowing, <laughs> that is that is a luxury which I love. Going to Admira games, you walk back to the train station via the local uh, the local vineyards and stuff, and you can just stop off for for a glass of wine. I feel ever so sophisticated when we do that. So uh, that's bringing a bit of a bit of Austrian football glamour to the the lower you know the, the lower echelons of the Austrian Bundesliga. Absolutely love that. Not recommended for a day trip. Anyway, we're about. Uh, Three quarters of an hour in length. I'll, I'll, I'll sign it off there. I know that we asked on Twitter for your questions. And thank you very much. We've had loads of questions and loads of really good suggestions. But there's actually, there's way too many for us to cover in what would be a, a reasonable length of podcast this time. So I think keep going with the questions on our Twitter at Other Bundesliga. You can find us online as well at otherbundesliga.com. Um, yeah, hit us up with your ideas, your questions, suggestions, anything you like. And I think we'll collect some of those. And it might give us a good excuse to come back and do another remote recording if we've got no football to talk about anytime soon. How does that sound? Sounds good to me, Tom. Yep. Sounds good to me, Thomas. Thankfully, you're calling me by my professional name as well, apparently, on the pod. What have we got in the meantime? We've got, I'm trying to recreate the Austrian Bundesliga on the PlayStation and on the Nintendo Switch to see how the season should finish. So keep an eye out on our Twitter and our Instagram, especially Instagram and the Bundesliga for those stories. We had some very funny interaction with the, the Bundesliga players, the real Bundesliga players, as they're sort of scoring the virtual winners for their sides in the, uh, the remainder of the Bundesliga season. And Simon, I know you're working on a, a competition which is getting underway very soon as well. Why don't you tell us about that? Yes, uh, it's a competition to crown the, the, the greatest stadium in Austria. Uh, we're starting the round of 32 in a couple of days. And by, by the time you listen to this podcast, maybe it's already underway. But keep a look on our Twitter because we'll have polls going for a few weeks, I think, <laughs> to crown Austria's greatest football stadium. It'd be interesting to see who wins. I think there's a couple of favorites entering the first round, but I'd be interested to see whether... The, the the fans of Rapid Vienna can vote for the Allianz Stadion or or maybe a surprise victor, but it should be interesting to find out. Yeah, definitely. I know a lot of uh, football Twitter football fans are uh, you know they're they're chomping at the bit to get started on this one. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that works out. If it's anywhere near as successful as our Austrian club kits trophy competition was, then we're on to a, re- a real winner here. Uh, Lee, I know you've just written a really nice article for uh, our Patreon supporters about Lask versus Manchester United and a lot of the things uh, going on around that game. So, yeah, get on to our Patreon. Obviously, we don't have any work at the moment because there's no football, so we'd love your Patreon support now as much as uh, as ever. That would be really, really good if you could find us on there. Uh, it's well worth it for some videos that we do and, yeah, these blog articles as well. You get early access to them on Patreon. If there's nothing else to add, is there... Question mark. I'd like to add a little comment about just how great it's been doing this podcast. It's, it's opened so many opportunities for us all. Um, it's we've been able to, to meet so many great people because of it. We've been able to have all this this great, great, great stuff to happen. And I'm very, very glad we started this podcast uh, quite a long time ago now. But yeah, it's been great, 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 great things, guys. Lee, anything from you? Yeah, I would, I would echo that sentiment for sure. It, it's only been, I think. A year and three quarters now, um, and already we've you know 
got got quite some following. We're having a great time going to all the games, meeting the players, interviewing the coaches, and just generally watching the development of the Austrian game and, and more interest coming from an international audience. So, yeah, just good things to say, really. Yeah, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure doing the podcast with you. It's been an absolute pleasure catching up uh, in quarantine for this podcast with you. I think that the only thing for me to say is that if anybody out there has got a copy of Pro Evolution Soccer 2020 on the PlayStation 4, then as of next week, you might be able to find us online and get involved in some uh, some matches with us. And that, that would be very, that would be a lot of fun. I'd look forward to that. So, <laughs> guys, uh, from, from me, Tom Midler, Simon Clark and Lee Wingate, it has been a pleasure. Thank you very much for listening to this. And uh, we look forward to, to getting back on the air with probably another remote recording from inside our houses. Take it easy, stay inside and stay safe. Cheers.